What's up, everybody? It's time for another episode of The Madness Show with your boy, John Bell. Thank you so much for joining me today. It is a great day, as always. And I'm excited, as always. Because today, we are talking about testimonies. Everybody has one. Well, most people have them. You'll get what I'm saying here in a little bit. But today we're talking about testimonies and then give you a little snapshot of mine. But uh, testimonies, basically that's Christianese for a word of basically life without Jesus Christ and then life with Jesus Christ and the noticeable difference in the before and after. But also some people have a testimony of God's keeping power where they, you know, God kept them. They never got into any kind of craziness or trouble. One of my favorite verses is going to be Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, and Revelation written by John the Revelator. So it says, And they overcame him, that's the devil, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb, that's Jesus, and his sacrifice for us, and the word of their testimony. So um, I'm, I'm sure that if you're listening, you've heard the words in church, testify, which I love. Listen, um, I have so many friends that are African-American, and I love, I went to a funeral one time, and I love when people testify in song form. But if you know me, you know that I'm a dancer. I'm not a singer. But sometimes I just want to testify in my singing. Maybe I'll do that today. You know what? Because it's my podcast. Do what I want to. And, uh, you know, that's what it, that's what we do. But before I get started into the testimonies, big shout out to my number one fan, Cecil Keithley. So, <laughs> sorry, just crazy thoughts in my, my brain. Shout out to you, bro. Hope you're having fun. Anyway, so testimony. So Revelation 12, verse 11. So testimony. And uh, I started just looking up some stuff. You know, the Greek word for testimony and when it was written. Um, and don't uh, don't be mad at me. I know I'm a pastor. If I get the pronunciation wrong, Mar- Martyrius. Basically spelled Marty Rias. <laughs> and... Uh, the Greek word that we use to translate is witness. The word witness is martus. And basically three words have the same um, the same kind of thing. To witness, martyrian, the act of witnessing, martyria, and testimony, martyrian. And so um, what does it mean to be a witness, a testimony, a testify? Basically, you're testifying of Jesus. Um, and so... Kind of crazy thing just in the church world, right? It almost feels like some people are like trying to compete of who had the worst life, you know. Um, And I do a lot of prison ministry, as you know, from episode one. And so I meet all kinds of people that, you know, as you as they share their story. um, I've always had this thing written on my forehead, which basically says, like, when you go into prison ministry, you're not allowed to ask people like, so, man, what are you in here for? (laughs) You can't do that. Um, but if they start telling you, then it's okay. And I've always had this thing on my forehead. My wife laughs because when I meet with people, it's written on my forehead. 
please tell me everything that you've ever done and struggled with. And uh, I've always kind of had that, even when you go into prison. And so some some people like it's almost like they when you when you're a young believer or you're not fully mature in the Lord, it's like people make their testimony like this competition, like, oh yeah. I killed like four people and then I found the Lord. I don't know why I do the voices. I That's just what comes out of me. Uh, and you meet people like that. And you're like, well, you know, testimony is never, it's not about us. It's not about competition. It's solely about you sharing Jesus with the story of your life. That's your testimony. And it's not an autobiography. I had to learn this uh, when I was, Younger, I got asked to share my testimony. And like some of you out there, you're like, well, what do I do? So you just, you basically start like something like this. In the beginning, my parents met. In South Carolina, fell in love. 1985. Shortly thereafter, in 1986. You see what I mean? Like, people just start with the autobiography. And some people go way back. Well, my Ancestry.com revealed that I was a pilgrim from Europe. And uh, this is why, as the pastor or anywhere I've ever gone with a microphone, rule number one, don't just give your microphone to anybody. Sometimes it's more efficient. And effective if you hold that bad boy. And it's not saying it's bad to give the whole autobiography, but, you know, I've even heard people share their testimony, you know, of what we think the testimony is. And they haven't, they didn't share Jesus at all. It was kind of like, um, you know, so a testimony is a testimony because, you know, of Jesus Christ, not because of we changed a behavior. Does that make sense? I hope it does. And so I just think it's funny. Me and my old youth pastor got talking about testimonies and how we try to one-up each other. You know, anyone know a, a one-upper in their life? Basically, a one-upper is a person that uh, every time you say something, they try to one-up you. I had a, an old family member do this. You'd basically say, you know what I did this morning? I walked a mile. Then here's them. I walked two miles. And you're like, hey, my kid just learned how to walk at one years old. Well, my kid was walking at six months old. I'm doing that slap sound effect because that's what it feels like. Or you just say something like, man, I read a book. I read five books. Those are one-uppers. And I pray for them every day. I pray for you every second. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes it's hard to just find alone time to record these podcasts when you have four kids, you have a church and, and so much going on. So, uh, thank you for all the encouragement out there. I love doing these for, for you and for, for me. So testimonies, it can get kind of crazy. It can get kind of, of tricky, uh, when you hear them. So does that make sense so far? You have testimony, you have the Greek word about witnessing and what is your story before Jesus and after Jesus, and how are you testifying about Jesus? Like, what has, he, what has he done for you, right? We have this in our services. I'm going to incorporate a testimony time. 
because testimonies are encouraging, they're uplifting, and they're really wonderful. And every single believer has one. And once you give your life to Jesus, you have one. And then we all have one. So I love um, listening to people. I, I find it fascinating when I meet people in prison in different areas and they try to think like, I'm going to make my story so bad. You know what I mean? Is it, can, I, can I get a witness? Can I get a witness out there? Is there anyone that uh, meets somebody and it's almost like, I remember I had the stupid thought as a kid too. You, you think like you hear someone's testimony about, well, I mean, deep in the slums. You know, I was doing drugs every day and uh, yeah, lots of drugs, killing people, lying, stealing. And then I know I'm not the only one out there. Did you ever listen to someone's testimony and they start out that way where it's just so crazy and so bad? that you feel like you need to go out there and, and stab somebody to get your street cred up? Does anyone else feel like that? Or you have to just, I'm going to go uh, juice up my testimony by uh, stealing some gum or uh, punching someone randomly. I'm just going to live that the thug life. I'm just kidding. Does anyone ever feel like that? I know I'm not the only one. Tell me that you've, you've listened to someone's testimony and you said, hey, you know what? think I'm going to uh, I think I'm going to spice up my testimony a little bit um, I used to think that but now as I'm older at 35 years old I love hearing people share their testimony about God's keeping power and how they gave their life to the Lord at a young age and they just never veered off of that that is so wonderful and so powerful that if you are discouraged in any way about a testimony like that, do not be, because it is absolutely amazing and absolutely wonderful. I do have a friend. He always jokes about his wife being born on the pew. You know, people that uh, I, I do notice a little bit of a difference, and it's almost like you guys have heard the expression, there's street smarts and there's book smarts, right? Street smarts, you get your degree and super smart, you can even get a PhD and have no real-world experience in the job or whatever that you're trying to get. Does that make sense? Like, you ever work at your company and they hire someone because they had a PhD and then they didn't know, it, know what they were doing? <laughs> it's almost like uh, learning Spanish and you learn it in a very proper way uh, in school. And then you go to use your Spanish and then all your Spanish friends are laughing at you because they're like, we don't talk like that. We, we don't say that. Uh, it happened to me. I learned Spanish. I went to go practice my Spanish, and Pastor Jesus was laughing at me. He's like, no, no, gringo. We don't, we don't, no. And I'm like, well, teach me the way. Oh, man, I just forgot <laughs> what I was even talking about. That's what happens sometimes with the rabbit trail, right? The rabbit trail. So testimonies, you think you got to spice it up, and then, like I said, you hear different testimonies. I want to encourage you out there. If you have a testimony of God's keeping power, that's amazing. I think it's uh, absolutely wonderful. So just make sure that if, you know, your testimony, if you're a believer listening, include Jesus in your testimony. There's nothing weirder when you listen to a testimony because the testimony is about Jesus, not about you. So there's nothing weirder about than hearing a testimony and not hearing anything about Jesus. So that's what I'm saying.
Um, oh, I was talking about born in a pew. So I have a, I, I noticed this difference between people who uh, were born like in the church, not like in the church, but born and then since they were a day old, they're kind of like this. I was basically born in the church. I've gone every day. I've got baptized as a baby by my ankles dipped in the water. I have worn a white robe. I've never smoked a cigarette or done anything. Well, there's just like, you know, born in a church, so to speak. And then I noticed that the book smart, street smart thing is there's a difference between those who, you know, kind of maybe grew up, you know, in the world, so to speak. Um, people that, you know, grew up with a hard life. Parents that were drug addicts or didn't have parents. That kind of thing. So when I hear those, I mean, it just seems like there's a difference of the people that you meet sometimes in church. And sometimes it's noticeable to me when I meet people, when I do all these ministry events and stuff with, with people that have been born in the church, so to speak, or people that haven't. Um, and I hope you kind of understand what I'm saying from that. It just, uh, it's, it's just kind of more evident. So anyway, a little bit about uh, my testimony, and I'm going to mix in some of my story because I think there's a difference between your story and your testimony. The testimony part is all about Jesus, baby. Nothing, nothing more, nothing less. It's about Jesus, and hopefully your testimony encourages someone else to fall in love with Jesus because that's what it's all about. So if I was doing like the the long story part, if I was starting with that and I was, uh, you know, going over like I was born in Charleston, South Carolina, boy, at uh, at the military base because my dad was in the Air Force and uh, my mom's family was from North Carolina. So I was born in Charleston, South Carolina when I was six years old. My daddy got the call to uh, to move. My mom has lots of brothers and sisters, and she was the only one to move outside of North Carolina. I know she went to South Carolina, big deal, right? But then my dad had to choose between three different spots, and he chose Spokane, Washington. It's the furthest he could have got away from the in-laws. I'm just playing mom and dad if you're listening to this. <laughs> so he chose Spokane, Washington. So he was six years old, moved to Spokane. Spokane, Washington, up in the great Northwest which was pretty fun. I did like Spokane for a season. I lived there from six years old to 21 years old. I did go to a youth group. My mom has had her faith, and so has my my nanny, who's now with the Lord. But my mom's always... I, I heard this one guy. He said, I'm a drug baby. My mom drugged me to church. <laughs> Da-da-da. But... Uh, I love the sound effects, by the way. I just, ah, oh man, every time it gets me. But, you know, so my mom always ha- has had her faith. And when I was, uh, my dad and mom, they did get divorced when I was six years old. And then I lived with my dad for a while because my mom didn't have as much money. So she kind of had to bounce between, uh, you know, homes for, for, for single women with children that, that, you know, so she went to a lot of different places. I always remember this place called Ogden Hall. And all I remember is it smelled like moldy crackers. Um, but I'm thankful my mom had a place cause I live with my dad and, uh, you know, my stepmom, um, and my dad's been married a couple times. So I've had, 
but he the the one he has now is a keeper, Marsha. Shout out to my stepmom. But he had some relationships after my mom before Marsha that Oh man, I have testimonies about that. But uh so when they got divorced, I lived with my dad. I was a weird kid. Imagine that. I was really weird. Like the kind of kid that just wears the one shirt. Like I had this one good shirt that I remember as a sixth grade student. I don't remember much about second grade, third grade, fourth grade, and fifth grade. I remember I went to a place called Windsor Elementary on the base housing. And it was great. I do have some pretty good memories about that, but not a lot. Um, Sixth grade is kind of where it began for me. And there's a small city outside of Spokane called Cheney. That's where I went. It was kind of like the country part of Spokane, Washington in the Northwest. And I remember just being a weird kid. I had this one shirt. It was a black shirt and it had like this cartoon crazy character. He had green hair and an orange body. And I think the shirt said something like sugar. (laughs) It's one of those shirts that if you wear it two days in a row, five days in a row, they're just going to know because it's such a weird, unique shirt. And I remember I didn't have a lot of friends, you know, and so I went to Cheney Junior High for 6th and 7th grade. It was very hard. I did get bullied a little bit um, just because, you know, I have this weird abnormal-sized head, you know, so people do make fun of it. They're like, man, he must be smart with that huge head. Uh, I don't know why I did that sound effect for a big head. That makes no sense. Those are the thoughts, like sending a huge email in my brain. Uh, So didn't have a lot of friends. Had my one sugar shirt with a weird guy on it, black shirt. Um, and I always remembered, like, there was, you know that one person that just feels sympathy on you? There was a, this girl um, who felt sympathy on me, so she just would always flick notes back and forth to me. And that was, like, really my only friend. And uh, each, each, um, each grade had, like, a theme to it. So, like, there was the – in sixth grade, I was called the Funky Monkeys. And then uh, in seventh grade, I was part of the Mighty Eagles – um, but that's neither here nor there. So I went to teenage junior high, but really part of my story kind of changed. When I was in sixth and seventh grade, I was always a weird kid. I always thought I was funny. You know, if not looking, then I'm like, you know, because now I have all these dad jokes and their greatness. But I, I grew up and eighth grade was when it all changed. What happened in eighth grade? It wasn't Jesus yet, but I moved in with my mom. My mom uh, got stable. She was able to make enough money that I could move in with her. So eighth grade, I moved from Cheney to Spokane Valley, changed my school. But it's also the summer I learned how to break dance, which is kind of weird. If you look at me now, I'm like 38, or it's not 38, <laughs> uh, 35. I'm 35, you know, white, 200 or 198 pounds. And I just look like I would be on a country album. I don't look like I, I would know hip-hop and breakdancing. But I remember I had all these Asian friends when I moved to the Valley. And so all the Asian guys would teach me how to breakdance. And it's so funny, my brother, Jason Bell, shout out to Jason, he would copy like the haircut of the guys we were hanging out with and would eat like tons of fried rice and he like, became them. So my brother got me into breakdancing. So eighth grade, the summer before eighth grade started, I was breakdancing every day, got the cardboard out. I cherish so many great memories of the breakdance days. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of you are like, prove it. It's easy to say it on a podcast. So sometimes I'll have to, sometime I'll have to give you like a video of some of my old stuff that I am going to have an episode with my friend wild styles. That was our crew name when I was 18 and 21. So I'm going to, uh, 
I am going to interview my buddy Andrew Fuller time. Shout out to my buddy. And so uh, eighth grade, I moved in with my mom. I learned how to dance. And, and, and so from sixth and seventh grade, as being a weirdo, you know, getting picked on and only having one shirt and not because of my parents. It's just because I probably had other shirts. I just, I don't know why I just wore that shirt all the time. So moved in with my mom in eighth grade and that's where I kind of, I learned how to break dance, but I gained some confidence and I just said, you know what? I'm tired of being one. I'm tired of being like this way. So I'm going to be more vocal, more outgoing. And so I was in eighth grade and ninth grade. Uh, yes. Junior high still had ninth grade. So eighth grade, ninth grade, were some of the best years of my life, um, except for today. I'm not one of those people that are like, you know, get a nice car and then drive by your high school. Like, dude, you're 35. Go away. Like, check out my nice car now that I'm living in, you know, but I drive a Prius or a soccer mom van, so that's not cool anyway. So, you know, some people will, um, and I know you know what I'm talking about. That guy or that girl, it's like they graduated three years ago, and then they find it necessary to try to drive by your high school and be cool. And you're like, dude, no. No, 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 no. Go away. <laughs> I know you know what I'm talking about. It's kind of sad. It's very sad. Move on. Move on with your life if you're driving by your high school living in the glory days. It's okay to share stories from those days, but don't try to live there. You know what I mean? Don't be the Uncle Rico like, I can throw it over those mountains. See, that's another weird brain thing. So anyway, I learned how to break dance. Eighth grade, ninth grade were, were awesome. My mom found this church. They renovated a movie theater. It's called Grace Harvest Fellowship. They renovated a movie theater and they turned it into a youth group. I'm talking like it was the place to go. It's called 180, right? Get it? Like you're living one way and you turn 180, you repent. Shout out to Grace Harvest Fellowship. I still have like, I remember I took one of the purple robes because they changed the name of the church to one. And uh, the pastor is just him and his wife. Shout out to Will and Teresa McCain. They are awesome. Love them. Uh, so many seeds planted in my life during that season. Um, so 16 to 18, I went to 180 youth group uh, in high school. And I was a part of this youth group. Lots of seeds were being planted. No doubt that there was so many things happening. And what happened was I got connected, started to, to really, you know, I didn't quite give my life to Christ, but I was learning and getting seeds planted. And then um, the, the uh, youth group closed and right around when I was 18 years old. And so 18 to 21, like a lot of people don't know this, but I just, I really struggled from 18 to 21. The whole like, and, and I think learning how to dance didn't add to it because I was drinking. I was going to the clubs now. I was, you know, trying to be with a different girl all the time. And it was just a bad season. Started smoking weed and just was not, um, it's just a bad season. Felt alone, felt confused and so, uh, and then I told you guys my story about how I met my wife in episode two, the marriage episode. I met my wife at the club and, uh, it just brings a smile to my face. It's so much fun. So I met my wife at a club and it wasn't until right before my 22nd birthday that I understood it. I finally accepted and, and really had the Holy Spirit gave me the revelation that who Jesus is and was and is to come, and it was beautiful, and it, it truly did change my life because I, I changed my thinking. To repent, repent is not a dirty word of like, repent, you crazy sinner. Uh, no, repent just simply means to change your mind. Turn your thinking from what it was to what it now is. Well, how do I change my thinking? I just, 
I just truly accepted Jesus. Then all of the seeds that I planted going to that youth group, because they made you memorize scripture to be on the dance team. But when I was on the dance team, then I'd go home and be an idiot. So I, all those seeds started coming to fruition, and those, those scriptures that I memorized started to become life. The Bible says over and over, hide the word in your heart. Not only in your mind, you can be book smart. The Pharisees and Sadducees, those were the super religious people in Jesus' day. They knew all the scriptures. They knew everything. But yet Jesus was like, dude, your eyes are a bunch of snakes. You're religious, legalistic snakes. Um, and that's not saying don't try to be live a life righteously, but there's a process called sanctification where Jesus, like your relationship with Jesus, the word also says he's faithful to complete the work he starts in you. So it is a process, and it's a beautiful process. So the thing that happened from, from 21, this is the testimony part. The thing that happened was Jesus became real to me. And not only did I just, be, I believed on him. I believed in him, the spirit, the Holy Spirit. See, and a lot of you guys, if, if you listen, I have a lot of friends that listen that maybe aren't Christian. The Holy Spirit is with you and you don't even know it. For example, I'm living this crazy thug life and I'm just, in the world, but there's a still small voice that comes along and just says to you things like, hey, I'm here. There's a better way. I love you. Come to me. And you're like, what? Because most of us, if there's two dudes on our shoulder, right? The angel and the devil. You've seen that so many times in cartoons. The Holy Spirit's with you, and he's trying to draw you into Jesus. So the Holy Spirit, I mean, you'd always hear these things like, hey man, I'm here. You're loved. You're not a failure. You have purpose. I've created you. Because, you know, I think for a lot, a lot of people, it comes down to two things. Either God is the creator of the universe, or we are just some big accident that happened over millions of years. You're a tadpole, then you're a turtle, a gorilla, you know, We've still never seen that. So it really does take as much faith to believe in God than it takes to believe that 50 billion. I just feel like sometimes that's that's the excuse when we don't understand something. Well, it was trillions of years ago. So yeah. You know what I mean? Like Christians, we say, well, God. And then like if you're atheist, you're kind of like, well, billions of years. I mean, we don't even live to be a hundred. Nevertheless, see millions of years. Like, hey, shovel that dirt. Um, how old is it? Oh, yeah, that's uh, 50 billion. I always laugh when I hear those things. But, yeah, I mean, and, and it's not making fun of it. If you believe that, like, I respect you, and you got to respect me. It just means you can disagree, but you still need to be respectful. And I probably will on this podcast have someone that, you know, maybe is an atheist or doesn't believe in God at all, or maybe they believe in a higher power and they're agnostic or whatever. But I'm going to have uh, interviews like that, and we'll keep it civil and lovely. None of this none of that um so but my testimony was that when i accepted jesus into my life and i i believed on his name and life started to be different i started to read the word with the intention of like god i want to know you and i want to learn what this is all about like i was one way i was selfish i was greedy i was all about me 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 you ever meet those people it's all about me, me, me. I'm coming back to the me, 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 me. And it's all about me. I can't sing, but I do like to try. 
maybe I can figure out a way to rig the vocal ability in this thing so that you guys think I'm like Justin Bieber or something. I don't know. So anyway, I started to read the word. Thoughts became different. They truly did. I didn't have the same wants, the same things that I used to crave. I used to crave, you know, attention and lust, and I used to crave those things. But when I put my mind where it should have been, I didn't crave those things anymore. Yes, sometimes I was still tempted, and it's not wrong to be tempted. If you're a Christian out there, let me just release you from guilt and shame. It's not wrong to be tempted. It's wrong to give in to temptation. But then again, that's why Jesus died for you, so you don't have to worry about that. First John 1, 9, read it, apply it, live it. And I always find it fascinating, the subject of backsliding. You ever heard that word? It's where you mess up. You do something wrong. You lie. You steal. And you fail. (laughs) And I just find it fascinating that some people just believe that, say that you are working towards to be more like Jesus, right? Like we strive to be more like him. And then you, like the concept of getting your pin, you know, for AA, like you go five days, you feel like five days without cussing, lying, cheating, stealing, whatever. And then, or say you even feel like you went eight months and then the big mess up. And what happens, what the enemy does is he tries to make you feel like, oh man, wait, let me, I, Let me jump into this. It's going to take me 10 years to get back to that place. It's going to take forever. No, no, no. Jesus doesn't punch you in the face, but his word does. 2 Timothy 3.16 says his word is good for correction, reproof, instruction, and righteousness. Like his word says in 1 John 1.9, you're forgiven. Like if you stop that term backslidden, if you... Love Jesus and you ask for forgiveness, you're forgiven. Stop dwelling on that. It doesn't you can instantly bat you're not you don't you don't lose ground. You know what I mean? That's like Peter going, oh, I denied you. I denied you in the rooster crowd. I'll, I'll never be No. He went on to to just reach the lost and win this and win people over to and, and wrote so much of the New Testament that we have today. He was a stud. Well, my name's Saul, and I, I kept killing Christians. I'm persecuting them. And then he met God on the road to Damascus. And now Saul became Paul, wrote most of the New Testament. Testify, testimony. Yeah. So don't ever let, see, and, and people get this confused too. Condemnation versus conviction. Condemnation is when... You let the enemy use your past sins against you to prevent you from what God wants you to do now or in the future. Conviction is good. That is the Holy Spirit dealing with the present sin in your life. That is good. Because repent, like I said, is not a dirty word. Repent means to simply change your mind about who Jesus is, about whatever subject you're talking about. So your testimony is something like, hey, this was life before Jesus, and this is how I think now. Because Jesus is good. Does that make sense to everybody? Is everyone kind of tracking with me on that? So my testimony was simply that I was in the world, and then I gave it all to Jesus, my heart, mind, and my strength, my everything. And life's changed now. I, I just it's, It cracks me up. I was like the white boy with all black friends, learned how to dance, 
And then I talked to some of these guys later and like, what do you do, man? I'm like, dude, I'm a 35 year old white pastor who loves to wear golf polos and go golfing. And I'm a pastor. And they're like, say what? I know it's crazy. It reminds me of second Corinthians five seventeen. Like, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Cause I'm a new creation. I don't even own that black shirt that has the guy on it anymore. But, oh, man, if I can find that out there, that would be just so amazing. So life is different. I'm still not perfect, and I'll never be. Although, my wife thinks I'm pretty special. Shout out to my wifey, Boo Fang. Uh, So my wife thinks I'm pretty perfect most of the time. Just kidding. Not all the time. Um, So you'll never be perfect. Let me just... Put that burden off of you if you're carrying that one. You will never. Breaking news. You will never be perfect. You will never be. And it's okay because Jesus was. And he was a sacrifice for your mess ups. So just know that you'll never be perfect. But you do fall more in love with Jesus. And out of falling in love with Jesus, you start to become more like Jesus. Like, the more I dwell on Jesus and the more that I read my word and worship and pray, the less I cuss, the less I think stupid thoughts, the less I get tempted. I don't put myself in tempted spots. You know what I mean? The more I just love him. See, and that's, there's a big difference in testimonies, right, between legalism. What is legalism? I would say legalism and and my, you know, JBV, the John Bell version. uh, Legalism is when... You are like the religious leaders that Jesus was like, you guys are idiots and you are snakes and you ruin people coming to me because of your, your, you try to hold people to a standard that no one can ever hold because that's why Jesus came. No one could ever hold that standard. And so, you know, legalism is when you're just like, oh my gosh, that person's smoking a cigarette. They're going to hell. <laughs> my gosh, I can't go. I got to take a bath. I need a spiritual shower. I can't hang around this person. Dirty, dirty. And what's crazy is Jesus was accused of being a friend of of the sinner. And he actually went into their house and he ate with them. When's the last time we were accused of being a friend of a sinner? And if we haven't for a while, we need to get spiritually punched in the face. And we need to do that. We need to go in homes. Because right now in this current environment and culture, it's sick. People think that they have to get perfect before they come into the church. And the church is not a building. It's a community of people that love Jesus. And it's so sad to me that so many people think, man, let me just get some better clothes. Let me just get my mind right. Let me just get my problems fixed, and then I'll come. And I just want to be like, no, you come with your problems. Jesus even said in his word that, that a hospital is not for healthy people. It's for sick people and broken people. And if you're sick and you're broken, then come and, and listen. No one's perfect. I'm so sorry for the, for the religious old, you know, person that looks at you and judges you for your clothing. I'm sorry for the people that give you just a dirty look or you hear them talking about you. But don't give up. Pursue Christ. People are going to let you down. I might let you down. See, what happens in church is like, say I'm, well, and this is, this, this might be weird from, but I'm just going to roll with it. Say I like to wear short shorts <laughs> and, um, and my best shirt shows a little cleavage or something. I know this is weird cause I'm a guy, but if I'm wearing stuff and I don't know any better, I'm wearing it like, 
this is a horrible example. We need to scratch it. Say that a, a, a young girl who is going through all craziness and she comes into church wearing something that she doesn't know any better. And if you're religious, say you're religious and you look at her and give her a dirty look, then you might be the reason that she stays away forever. So we really have to be careful as Christians, right? When we meet people to love them. Jesus said, love covers a multitude of sins. Like that's our testimony. Your testimony and our testimony is that there's no sin too great that Jesus cannot deal with. I heard a funny joke. Why does not why doesn't Jesus wear a necklace? Because he breaks every chain. <laughs> Break every chain. So um yeah. I didn't mean to preach a sermon on you on there, but yeah, your testimony like if you're a Christian out there and you're listening, be careful. Be careful not to judge. You can f- inspect some fruit to know where someone is, but be careful not to judge someone. You don't want to be the person out there that you get to heaven like, wow, well, there could have been a lot more people here if you would control your looks or control the way that you're looking at someone or saying something. You've got to be really careful. And it's kind of backwards, right? Society and the church culture right now, and this is me talking to myself, is that people in church believe that you have to come to church to be ministered to. No, we need to go out there. Jesus said go. Jesus, all the stories of the ministry happened outside of temples and synagogues. We, the church, are to go out to the community and and to minister and to pray, to take care of the orphans and the widows and people and love them and pray for them and see see healings and see demons cast out. And then, my friends, they might come and join the community of believers. Can I get an amen? Testify. My wife's probably listening to this. She's going to shake her head because I just love to practice my singing because I love it. I'm just playing. Uh, And I'll end with this thought. Because uh, this is kind of funny. Testimonies, right? Um, or when people say that they heard from God on something. Okay? And, and let me give you an example. Like, this is really funny. And this is hard. you got to understand. Like, I wish you could be me for the day. I would gladly give you the pastorship if this happened to you. And um, this, this, this is not, listen, if you're listening, this is not aimed at anyone per, that's going to listen to this. Um, but if this is you, like, it is okay. Calm down. Uh, and there's two things, right? So I'm, a, I'm I'm kind of going off the script of testimony really quick, and I just want to give this story because that's what popped in my head. And as you guys know, as you listen to this podcast, I'm just going straight forward, straight through. There is no editing. If I mess up, I mess up. So there's no there's no editing, no do-overs, no take-backsy. Just kidding. See, I, I push that button. No take backsies, no nothing. Like if I if I say something and it's a blooper, it becomes part of this podcast. So and mostly I don't have time to edit it. That's that's the real thing. I'm sitting here and I have like eight text messages already, so I need to wrap this up. But gifts and talents, right? One of the hardest things as a pastor is say um say say this is this I hope I hope this isn't you. And this is not making fun of anyone except for this is this is me, right? I've actually done this before um, where I feel like, hey, I feel like God wants me to be on the worship team. So I go over to the worship leader. Hey, man, the Lord has told me I'm supposed to lead, sing, 
every Sunday. And then we go to the dreaded audition, right? Because I don't know what it is about the church world, but everyone feels called to be on the worship team, um, including me. But I worship in a different way. Because technically, if you're a believer, you are on the worship team. You know why? Because Jesus literally said to every single one of his people, if you look at Romans 12 too, like you present yourself and you worship the Lord and for all eternity, we're singing holy, holy, holy as Jesus. So everyone is called to worship. And I think there's a disconnect. People get confused about, yes, you're called to worship with your life every day of every moment. There's that. And then there's the small glimpse of less than 1% of your week, which is at a church service for 90 minutes. And uh, so say I say I'm supposed to be on the worship team, and this is the hardest thing. I, and I'm telling you, as the pastor, I'm being vulnerable. This is the hardest thing to deal with. Is like even myself, I had to come to the realization. Because there's two kinds of things. Like, and I'll explain this in a second. But if you say you're on the worship team, and I go, hey. And then I do the audition. And they're like, go ahead. Let me hear you sing. And I'm like, <clears throat> everybody, Jesus. He would probably look at me and go, uh, I don't know uh, what voice is talking to you. It might be the guy on the left shoulder. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and if I can't, I I don't know. Just you know what I'm saying. But there are things like this though, and this is the exception. Is that I, when I was in eighth grade, I can't. I couldn't dance. I couldn't clap on beat. What's a beat? I'm country. I didn't know, and I just thought to myself like, uh, I was just interested. And I think that there are some things that as you, like some people are just naturally gifted, right? They come out of the womb and they just can play the piano or they can sing or they have perfect pitch or whatever else. Ah, uh, 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 right? They just sing and they're good at it. Some of us have to work really hard. It might be, it takes you 10 years to get where the other person was in like a month. And it's frustrating because you look at those gifted people and you're like, well, bless your heart. And so, in eighth grade, I had this thought, I want to dance. I want to dance with some... No, I didn't want to dance with anybody. I wanted to just learn how to dance. So, I got my Asian friends and learned how to dance. And guess what? I was horrible. I know you guys are thinking of a friend right now who just can't dance. Somebody look at your neighbor and go, ha ha, he's talking about you. But some of you can't dance and you can't clap on beat. I have them at my church every week. Sometimes I can't even focus on the Lord because I'm like, hey... You clap on the two and the four, not the one and the three. You understand? You heard me? Just kidding. But seriously. So I couldn't dance, but I did feel like there was something more to it. Like I, I wanted to learn. And I don't come from a, like, if you met my dad, he's probably listening. My dad likes to to do this thing, and I'll remember it for the rest of my life. He goes, I'm country. Country. And he does like this, like, he's an Alan Jackson, George Strait, Garth Brooks, classic country and he's proud of it, boy. So I never, and he didn't line dance. Well, he used to, I think. But, and my mom, my mom's sweet, precious, but I've never seen her drop it like it's hot. So none of my family danced. My mom claims she was like, you know, the Janet Jackson of her day. Um, but as far as I knew, I like when I was growing up, I don't have any memories of my parents dancing. And I thought, well, I mean, obviously this is not a passed down gift probably. But I wanted to learn. And I had to go through years of people going, you suck. You're horrible. You dance like Carlton, but worse. And by the way, Carlton, the guy who plays Carlton, was a break dancer back in the day. 
but I was horrible. So there are some things that God gives you and you're supposed to water it, nurture it, and you got to stop caring about what other people think. You know what I mean? Like if if I would have just listened to people, then I would have stopped dancing and I wouldn't have got to minister and perform in front of hundreds of thousands of people. So there are some of you that have something in your heart and you just have to realize like your practice time and whatever you're putting into it, you can't care about what other people think. You got to keep doing it. And then God is the one who sets them up, puts them down. So God will make room if you are stewarding your gift and you're being diligent. And people nowadays, goodness gracious, we can't correct anybody without a, a, a whiny baby. You know what I mean? Like our culture, have you ever tried to correct someone? Like, hey, maybe you just need to do this for a while. I mean, it gets crazy. But I just want to encourage you. If, if you have a gift or you have something that God told you to do, singing, dancing, whatever, don't let anyone stop you if God told you to do it. But don't be discouraged if you're not ready to be put in front of everybody on a Sunday morning. You know what I mean? Because every church across America has a worship team, and they all are at different skill sets and skill levels. And, you know, it's like, I don't know, like in our city there's 85 churches, right? And if I came and I couldn't be on our worship team because we might be at this level, I could go to another church. Maybe they're not as good. So, you know what I mean? It's like being on a baseball team. Like if I'm not the best, if I'm on a really good team and I'm sitting on the bench and I'm like, I'm tired of sitting on the bench. I want to play. Then a lot of times what happens is you just go to another team that they're not as good, but you get to play. That happens in church all the time. Like it's not a, not a big deal to me. I mean, I think that church is, is not a building, it's people. And you should be using your gifts, talents to serve every day, not just looking for a Sunday opportunity. We should be doing it every day. Anyway, I'm not going to preach a sermon to you, but that's my testify. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you for joining me today. I'm I'm hoping to hear all of your testimonies, you know. I'll have to have someone call in and we could do some some good uh, you know, testimony time where we just call random guests and we listen to their testimony. So, anyway, I'm just going to pray us out. Have a blessed day. I hope you think about your testimony. And that when you share it, it draws people closer to Jesus Christ because that's what it's all about. Think about the Holy Spirit. He is with you. And then he, when you give your life to Jesus, he's in you. And uh, there's another relationship where he comes upon you, which we'll talk about another time. So let me pray. Father God, we just thank you for all the listeners. Bless them today as they go throughout their day. Lord, I pray that everyone listening would wake up and say, Lord, who can I bless and how can I bless them today? Lord, because you said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Let us not be a selfish people, but let us be a people with compassion and to go out and love the people, to minister to them, to love on them the way that you would have us love them. Thank you, Lord, that correction is part of that love. Help us not be religious, legalistic people, but help us be relational people. Uh, help us be your light and help us be the salt uh, of the earth. Lord, we love you. I praise you. I thank you for technology. Thank you for everything you've given me. And uh, just bless the people. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we're going to end the podcast with elevator music because it's awesome. Thank you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day, my friends.